0: Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me. It is Thursday and tomorrow I just want to give you a small programming note. We're going to, all of us together here, do something kind. Uh, Tomorrow we're going to help uh, buy presents for kids in foster care because there are a ton of kids in foster care, some of whom with families that have their own kids and have to worry about Christmas. And, And we got a lot of kids who are in orphanages around the country who aren't going to get Christmas presents unless we step up. So we we will talk about that tomorrow. Um, oh, by the way, uh, I just got an email. Um, the, Russ is texting me. Thank you, Russ, that it's, it's 97 per megawatt hour, not four, like I said. I'm sorry, somebody sent me four, but Russ knows what he's talking about. So I'm going to go here with him that it's 97 megawatts uh, on the conversion here in this country. I got it wrong. Thanks, Russ, for giving me the data. But still, the perspective We're paying 97 per megawatt on average in this country. They're paying $451 in France. It's crazy. Now, we got people who are waiting on the phones, and I want to get uh, these phone calls. The phone number here, if you want to be a part of the program, 877-973-7425. Let us go first to Patrick. You've been waiting impatiently. Welcome. Hey,
1: Eric. Uh, Thank you. And by the way, I love Omaha Steaks, and I love Mrs. Fields. Oh, great. Uh, That being said... That being said, I'd like to challenge you, um, on your math. Okay. Uh, being a, I would say I'm a novice mathematician, Mm -hmm. uh, and I've, I've explored this subject to some depth. Um, there's something that you may want to, I would encourage you to look up. It's called incompleteness. And um, you can find it on YouTube there's, there's a great guy, a great mathematician that will explain it very simply. I cannot do that on air right now, but one plus one actually equals one million six hundred thousand. It's it's insane. Uh, there is there there is a there there is no mathematical formula that actually is truly complete. So. This is, this is the challenge I present to you is to uh, explore that because yes, I like truth and I believe in truth and I believe that, you know, I, I'm thinking of Phil Collins right now. Tell me it's black when I know that it's white. I, I hear you loud and clear, but there is a interesting facet to all this uh, mathematically. And I, i would suggest that you look into it uh just for your own enjoyment okay now
0: let's let's delve into incompleteness though um what does an elementary school student who's who's learning math need to know about incompleteness if we're teaching them uh that two dollars plus two dollars equals four dollars exactly right and and that's the larger point here If, if you want to go to higher order mathematics at the collegiate level and discuss incompleteness they're all well and good Uh, But if we're going to be teaching our high school students who can barely read or write uh, a theory of incompleteness, That's As a opposed great to point. The objectivity of basic mathematics. I mean, it's kind of like the difference between quantum physics and regular physics. Yes, in in regular physics, uh, the uh, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. In quantum physics, that's not necessarily so. Uh, are we gonna uh, Are we going to teach our kids about Schrodinger, Schrodinger's cat, or are we going to teach our kids that actually, if you see a dead cat, the cat is dead? Uh, do we Do we want to teach our children mathematics? as has been known for thousands of years and shared in languages across the world, or do we want to go straight into the deep dive academic theories of incompleteness, which by the way, are theories and theorems. If you want to, if you want to do a deep dive on what Patrick's talking about, uh, talk about Godel's theorems. Uh, you can certainly do that if you want, uh, but that's, over the heads of your basic children out there and also not settled. Um, And that actually is the point here is that uh, we have in our day and age where people are arguing over truth, basic mathematics. There's nothing incomplete about it. It is infinite and it is easy. The more you go, the deeper it can get. The more you go, the more complex it can get. But at the basic level, math is a universal equalizer. You can be black, you can be white, you can be Asian, you can be Native American, you can be rich, you can be poor, and you can get that one plus one equals two. Math is a great equalizer. Someone who has a brilliant brain at math can transcend socioeconomic status. And yet the left these days wants us to lock in in some crazy concept that math somehow can be racist. And we need to to do more here. USA Today has a thread out on this. And let me just read you some of this. And I'll get back to your calls here. Just give me one second. In an effort to promote equity and access for kids of color, girls and low-income students, many math teachers are shifting towards inclusive instruction. Some new approaches to math learning include customizing lessons to students' cultural interests and collapsing math tracks, often the gateway to calculus for gifted students. Educators hope the shift will help underrepresented students become interested and successful in high-level math classes. They say early trials don't slow high-achieving students. But traditionalists who shun the new approach say it effectively dumbs down math education. They say pure math inquiry should be neutral of politics and students gifted in math should be allowed to advance faster than their peers. The quotes on this from some of the teachers are insane. Let me give you the quote from a teacher in a middle school in Jacksonville, Florida. Kids should never have to change who they are to assimilate into classroom culture. I should change my instruction to fit their needs. Superficially, perhaps correct. But when it comes to math, how are you going to change your math instruction? Now, part of this is in the word problems and how they relate to kids, make them reflect their cultural community. But y'all, overall, this is kind of nuts. It's nuts because math is an objective standard for everyone on the planet, regardless of where you live. You know, when the world was divided 2,000 years ago and settlements were springing up around the world the Aztec, the Inca, the Mayan, the Romans, the Greeks, the Egyptians, the Chinese, the Southern Indus Indian. they all had math. They did it in different ways, but all amounted to the same. Over time, there was a settlement on 10. It's the basics. Why? Well, hold out your hands and you can figure out very quickly, unless you're missing a finger, why 10 was one that was settled on. They wrote the numbers in different ways. One two three four five six seven eight nine ten. Un six 7, 8, 9, 10. That's French. Araba the sabat That's Arabic. Different languages, different ways of writing, but they all came out the same in the end. And progressives in this country in the 21st century would like to upend all of that and somehow find that the number two is racist because it hurts your feelings. That's bizarre. That's insanity. We are letting the the inmates run the asylum and all of us should stand up to it. You know who is, the voters are. The voters are standing up to this by throwing people off school boards, showing up at school board meetings and electing Republicans nationwide. Again, I made this point earlier with the caller. We have never seen the Democrats doing as badly as they are on the generic ballot polling average. It has never happened. And that means there is hell to pay. And part of this is, as I said in the beginning of the first hour, Hispanic voters in this country, are the longer they stay here, they are white and conservative Christians. They don't identify as Hispanic. They identify as white. And they vote like country music listening evangelical Christians. And that's bad for the Democrats who long thought, based on the color of one's skin, they could determine someone's politics and that ain't so Chris, you're going to be the next caller. Welcome. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. Sure. Uh, I, uh, I've been paying attention to the commercials or the, uh, news, and they're talking about, you know, this, uh, tax, no tax for Georgia and how it affects schools. If it's affects schools and it comes from our taxes that we pay, then, uh, how come we're also paying land taxes and it's coming from our land taxes as well going to an education system that you know is not even educating our people okay so back up what tax are they talking about i must have missed the story you're talking about you know uh oh come on the uh purdue talking about no state tax you know oh no no no. so okay oh i I see what you're saying okay so david purdue is championing uh getting rid of the state income tax and doing a sales tax like florida i like the idea i do uh, I have heard one very persuasive argument against it, and it actually is a very persuasive argument and one that a lot of the Republicans buy in, and that is that in economic downturns, when the economy slows down, an income tax provides stable revenue while a sales tax goes down. And states like Florida, Tennessee, and Texas during economic downturns tend to have major budget crunches where states with income taxes don't. And probably the best solution is to lower the state income tax and raise the state sales tax, particularly as we have a tourist industry in the state of Georgia to balance it out. And other states could. I prefer no income tax. But when you have no income tax in states like Florida, you have higher gas taxes, higher sales taxes, higher property taxes. Now, where does all of this get us? In most states around the country, at the local level, at the county level, at the county school board level, your taxes for education come from the property tax. But in every state in the union, the state government subsidize and add to that money through income tax or sales tax. In Georgia, it is the income tax is used to divert money into education. So you get rid of the income tax. You have to raise the sales tax to offset it to flow that money into local school systems. But now this gets me into the bigger issue. Where are we with school choice in Republican states? You know, the Democrats have a theory. Progressives, starting about 100 years ago, came up with a novel idea for winning elections. That works fairly well. You give people something that they like, and then you dare the other side to take it away. You give people social security benefits, you dare the Republicans to take it away. By the way, as an aside, you know if Congress had ever taken George W. Bush seriously and privatized social security and allowed those accounts to be invested in the stock market, uh, we would have many more millionaires in America today All those people who complain about the wealth gap in this country, had George Bush's plan for reforming Social Security worked, all of those poor people would be millionaires, or a lot of them would be at least. But the Democrats, you know, Republicans used to campaign on the Social Security system was actually unconstitutional. Very few Republicans campaign on the Social Security system being unconstitutional these days. By and large, they embrace it. The Democrats gave entitlements and they dared Republicans to take it away. You know that entitlement Republicans could give to people and dare the Democrats to take it away. And in fact, there's real world data that it has hurt the Democrats in places like Florida give school choice, allow kids to go to the school of their choice, give them vouchers to go to the schools of their choice, to not be stuck in failing public schools. Republicans are the ones who are blocking this in Georgia In Texas, in Alabama, in Indiana, around the country, Republicans have the opportunity to provide school choice in such a way that the Democrats would be crushed at the ballot box if they ever took it away. And the Republicans are the ones who are doing it. They get what they deserve on this front if they're not going to do it. There are no serious school choice proposals being proposed in states like Georgia or Texas or Indiana or any of these other Republican states where Democrats have been making inroads. In Georgia, my buddy Wes Cantrell and the state house representatives has been proposing one for several years and it's the Republicans who kill it. And all his does is he confines it to kids with special needs and the Republicans are still the ones who kill it. At some point, the Republicans deserve to be killed off at the ballot box if they're not going to allow kids escape from failing public schools. They get what they deserve. In Florida, Jeb Bush, of all people, that Jeb Bush is the one who championed school choice. And you know what? Andrew Gillum ran on ending that system in Florida, and he lost to Ron DeSantis. You give people an entitlement, it's really hard to take it away. And Democrats are in such a dependency on public school teachers unions. You give parents school choice and allow them to go to private schools. The Democrats, when they try to take it away, they touch a third rail in politics that the Republicans constructed, but the Republicans are too stupid to actually figure it out and do it. They should do it tomorrow. You are struggling right now. Well, you should be, because I am. What am I going to get people for Christmas that I love? What am I going to get myself? Well, there are lots of things you can do. And one of the things you can do is considering how much time we sleep and stay in our beds, consider gifting Bull and Branch. My gosh, their sheets are comfortable. My wife was so excited when I told her that Bowl and Branch was going to be an advertiser because she's been hearing about their sheets and she wanted some. And we bought some. And then they sent us some. And gosh, she knew she was getting that second pair. And she loves them. We have Bolin Branch on most of the beds in our house now, and all the time people ask us when they stay at our house, what exactly it is. Where do we get our sheets? Because you can feel the difference. They are very soft. You know that they've got a good snug feel to them, but they're also very soft. You can tell they've got a high thread count. I really, really do like these things. They are very soft. They've got organic cotton weave. They feel incredible all season long, every season, from twin size beds to California Kings. Treat yourself and your loved ones to the new standard embedding from Bowling Branch. Their gifts come wrapped and ready in their special holiday packaging. If you order by December 19th, you get guaranteed delivery for Christmas. Best deals of the year are going now from December 6th to December 8th with promo code Eric ERICK at bullandbranch.com That's Bull B O L L and Branch.com. The promo code is Eric ERICK. Exclusions may apply. You're gonna want Bull and Branch. Yes, you are. Hi there. The phone number is 877 97 Eric, 877 973 7425. Well, get ready inflation is at a 40 year high folks this is you know none of us really so i am i'm in my mid 40s and i was so young that i i don't even understand what it was like although we're starting to see a sense of it as beef prices and other prices keep going up in the country we got real problems when it comes to inflation in the country right now. And as much as the Democrats say there's nothing that can be done about it, they keep trying to take credit for um, for fixing it, and yet they're not. Joe Kernan on CNBC had an exchange uh, with Mark Warner, the senator from Virginia, on the gimmicks in the Build Back Better plan that, if passed, will contribute to inflation.
1: This is a pro-growth uh, proposal and but just senator, paid for. Do, senator, do you, you know that in your heart of hearts you know that one-year programs aren't going to be just one year
0: and, and I, I know, I you know said, in my heart just, of hearts
1: i know I, in I, my heart I know of- you said i'll just accept the cbo so you know that the cbo is there's a way that you can do it they're giving it's gigo they're giving garbage in garbage out but but you know that the, the actual cost is going to be much higher do you, well, the, and you've I'll, also I'll, seen I'll, some I'll, of the polls about that people want you know at this point there's less government the country's in the wrong direction you, you see the democrats chances In 2022, based on this, it just seems like you're going down,
0: you know, by hook or crook and a sinking ship just just to stay along, you know, aligned with the party instead of what might be good for the country. Here's your problem. Uh, Build Back Better is a grab bag of things for social justice engineering in the country that I actually think are not going to work, will take too long to implement, and will drive up inflation. And it's nice to have someone like Joe Kernan, who's actually an economic expert, say these things on CNBC and call out the Democrats for what they're trying to do. You know, the funny thing is, uh, there was a meeting at the White House the other day by the Biden administration to try to cajole people into giving positive press coverage to what Biden is doing. And suddenly you saw CNN and a couple other media outlets rush out and say, here are 10 things you didn't know were in Build Back Better. Okay. Um. That's fine, but what about all the stuff we do know that's in there? And what about all the polling that says, oh, there, they, everybody loves it? You know, everybody loves it when you poll, when it comes to opinion polling, how you poll issues. Because you poll an issue, you can lead people into the answer you want. Do you support, for example, giving people freebies? Of course you do. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is eight, seven, seven, nine, seven, Eric, eight, seven, seven, nine, seven, three, seven, four, two, five. Let's go to the phones. John, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you. I, I wanted to know about the build back better and, uh, this whole, uh, uh, $600 or more a year, and it will trigger a, uh, you know, an audit on you with the fed
1: and, you know that that just sounds like uh, more of that uh uh you know that um what do you call it? great reset stuff that's going yeah. on in the world economic. They keep talking about that stuff they are
0: they they don't like the gig economy uh, that they, they don't like that, and that really has more to do with it than grandma. but what you should know is that they're not going to do bank spying anymore. Uh, they've decided to get rid of a Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema in the Senate said it had to get out of there. And then John Ossoff uh, from Georgia, Democratic senator, nobody saw this coming. He became very adamant that it had to go away. Uh, you could not have. And the provision John's talking about is the one where if you have a couple thousand dollars flow through your bank account each month, your bank has to report it to the IRS, uh, report all your bank transactions. They've gotten rid of that, but they've come up with a they've come up with something different. Instead, what they will do is they will give the IRS money to focus on auditing the middle class. So instead of reporting all your transactions at the banks, instead the IRS is just going to have money and staff to do more audits of the middle class. They will focus on people who make between fifty dollars and $200,000 a year. That's what they're going to do. This is how they want to pay for it. A terrible idea. They can't get it passed before Christmas probably because Joe Manchin is having a hard time getting them to uh, or getting his mind around it, particularly because of inflation and cost right now. Uh, Listen to this. This is an interview with a Louisiana business owner who can't afford the vaccine mandate from Biden. And you should know Senate Democrats, two of them, John Tester and Joe Manchin, joined Republicans last night and voted to kill the mandate because of blowback from their uh, residents of their states. Brandon Trusclair owns 16 supermarkets in Louisiana and employs 500 people. His suit over the business mandate helped halt the order across the country, and he told us he can't afford to fire workers right now. We're understaffed right now across the board, uh, understaffed in my meat departments, my deli, stockers, you name it. Uh, we're probably every bit of five to ten employees short at every location that we have right now. So um, our challenge is to get labor, not uh, not laying labor off by all means. Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is a real problem. Uh, it is a real problem. Staffing is a problem. a lot of times what it is if you if you're in a professional industry right now in particular it is a great time for you to go find a new job because they're still having trouble staffing at the levels they want a lot of major employers are hiring and you the employee are kind of in the driver's seat right now on this if you get your resume in order you can probably go find a new job and business owners around the country are having real fallout from this and in the hospitality industry and in the grocery store industry and things like that there's even bigger problems they do not have enough workers some are scared to come in to places like that because of the virus some are still getting continued unemployment benefits and then some of them are getting better jobs and they need high school kids to fill these jobs and high school kids can't work during school hours if you're a high school kid You could be making major bank in the afternoons and evenings right now in jobs and in restaurants and grocery stores and the like these days. You can because they need workers. They are short staffed. So I I have my local grocery store. If you're not in the Southeast, you probably have never heard of Publix. Publix is the greatest grocery store chain on planet Earth. I love Publix. This is not an ad. They wouldn't advertise here because I'm controversial. I do political talk, but I love Publix. And my local Publix, the people are wonderful. They know me by name. They know everybody by name. It's like going into Cheers without the beer. Well, they got the beer, but you can't have it there. It's great. I love the Publix. They are so short-staffed. Poor Miss Anita behind the deli. She doesn't, have, you know, they've, they've got it set up now so you can do mobile orders. You can be in the parking lot. You can send in your order. And the lady there, Miss Anita, was telling me that they, they had a guy in there whose whole job was to fill the mobile orders because they have so many mobile orders. She's trying to do people who show up in the grocery store and stand there and ask for their meat or their cheese. And this guy was just doing the mobile orders. And a couple of weeks ago, he was in the middle of filling orders, said he'd be right back. And he never came back. Just walked out on the job in the middle of the day. Never even collected his paycheck. They had to mail him what he was owed. And this is happening. They are short-staffed. And if you're, again, if you're a high school kid, man, you could make some money right now. They're having problems. You know, one of the other problems they're having out there is crime. It continues to be a serious problem. This is from ABC News. And I'm just going to read you the headline. It's just crazy. Twelve, that's a quote, 12 major cities hit all-time homicide records. At least 12 major U.S. cities have broken their annual homicide record in 2021, and there are still three weeks to the year. Of the dozen cities that have already surpassed the grim milestone for killings, five topped records that were set or tied last year. It's terrible to every morning get up and have to go look at the numbers and then look at the news and see the stories. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. It needs to stop, says the mayor of Philadelphia, Jim Kinney. After his city surpassed its homicide rate of 500, which stood since 1990, Philadelphia, a city of 1.5 million people, has had more homicides this year than the nation's two largest cities, New York and Los Angeles. That's an increase of 13% from 2020, a year that broke the 1990 record. Here are the cities. Austin, Texas. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Louisville, Kentucky. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Columbus, Ohio, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Rochester, New York, Toledo, Ohio, Indianapolis, Indiana, Portland, Oregon, and Tucson, Arizona. That's not something you'd be proud of. Oh, in St. Paul, Minnesota. St. Paul, Minnesota is 35th in homicides. This is the place, Minneapolis, St. Paul, where they want to wind down the police. Austin, Texas is 60th. Albuquerque, New Mexico is 82nd. Tucson, Arizona is 80th highest homicide rate in the country. Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where I go to visit my parents, 137th in homicides. Louisville, Kentucky is 175th. Columbus, Ohio, 178th. Toledo, Ohio is 62nd in homicides in this country. There are more homicides per capita in Toledo, Ohio than there are in Albuquerque, New Mexico or Tucson, Arizona or even Portland, Oregon, where you've got Antifa out there storming the federal building. Toledo, Ohio has more murders per capita than Rochester, New York. This is madness. Chicago, the nation's third largest city, leads the nation with 739 homicides as of the end of November, up 3%. Chicago's deadliest year still remains, 1970. Philadelphia's homicide... Record was broken the same week as Columbus, Indianapolis, and Louisville, Kentucky. And now I'm sorry, I don't think of Louisville, Kentucky as a hotbed of murder, and it apparently is 175th in the country, the highest since 2020. ho! Five cities have surpassed their 2020 record. St. Paul, Portland, Tucson, Toledo, Baton Rouge, Austin, Rochester, Albuquerque. My goodness. Now, Albuquerque, New Mexico broke its homicide record in August and it's going to break it again. That's insane. That's just crime out there is out of control. Now, what are the problems? One of the problems is a decrease in arrests as police have stood back because they're the bad guys now. We've seen this down here in Atlanta where the mayor treated police as if they were the bad guys, and police just stopped showing up and stopped caring. Can you blame them? They're going to get arrested and go to jail if something bad happens while they're trying to handle a crime situation? You can't blame them at all. They're not the bad guys. And yet they get treated like the bad guys. A workforce workforce survey released in June by the Police Executive Research Forum found the retirement rate in police departments nationwide jumped 45%. And 18% of officers nationwide resigned. On average, law enforcement agencies are currently filling on a 93% of the authorized number of positions available. Can you blame them? Who wants to be a police officer? I remember having a guy call in the show, what, a month or two ago? He said his son had wanted to be a police officer. Now his son's like, nope, not going to do that. Not going to do that. There's another problem out there as well. Oh, this is the tricky one you're not supposed to talk about. There's a spiritual problem. Got broken families, broken homes, broken lives, isolation, mental health issues, spiritual problems. Got the devil whispered in your ear at this point. The churches aren't stepping up. The churches are too busy fighting each other over who's gone woke. got a spiritual problem in the country. It's reflected in the crime data. It's just truth. You may not like it, but it's true. There's a spiritual problem in the country and it translates into these issues. And you know what else? For the kids who are too young to be criminals, you got a school discipline problem in schools now. School districts across the US from Wall Street Journal say they're seeing a surge in student misbehavior students returned to in-person learning. In the hallways between classes one afternoon this fall at Southwood High School in Shreveport, Louisiana, two boys exchanged words all at once. They jumped at each other. Dozens of students jun- jumped in. They all fell into a heap, kicking and punching until teachers pulled them apart. It's one of a series of brawls in the courtyards and hallways of the school on three subsequent days that led to 23 students getting arrested and expelled. School officials say they've never seen anything like it. It's an academically strong school. It has a 99% graduation rate of among its 1,600 students. This all happened when they started coming back. And it's not just them around the country. The Albuquerque, New Mexico superintendent sent a letter to parents warning of a rise in violence and unacceptable behavior, posted on social media and, and disrupting of classes. Albuquerque seeing a spike in crimes and murders as well. We got a spiritual problem. We got a pandemic problem. We got all these problems. But at heart, they are broken lives and broken families under inordinate amounts of stress. And government programs will not fix that stress. Government programs will not fix someone's broken spirit. And that's the democratic solution here it's not to uplift, it's just to throw money at the problem. Absentee parents throw money at problems, and Uncle Sam's not our parent at all, but yet we're not empowering parents or supporting parents. or making life easy for parents, and things are getting out of hand out there. It's getting crazy out there, and then when you got the people who are supposed to protect us being treated as the bad guys, it makes the situation even worse. It's far more complex than any one talking point, though, and unfortunately, too many people want to treat it as one talking point, but at root, it is this one thing. We have a spiritual problem, and neither government nor church institutions are stepping up to fill the void in people's lives right now. Government doesn't know how to, and the churches are too busy fighting each other these days to stand up, and there are no other charitable institutions out there trying to fill the void. It ends badly for all of us. This is not isolated. It's spreading. It ends badly for our society where we as a people need to come together when outside forces, China, Russia, Iran, and the like are circling, looking at us, thinking we are ripe for the taking. We got to find a way to get over this. We got to find a way. We need like a, a, a nationwide psychiatric council. We need Oprah, except not her. We need something. For several years when I practiced law, I volunteered for the Alliance Defending Freedom it's one of the few legal nonprofits in America that really racks up wins in state courts and federal courts for conservatives and for Christians. Now, I haven't been a lawyer in a while. Since leaving my law practice, I have volunteered for ADF events. I've spoken at their uh, events. I've been to training sessions where they help teach lawyers and pundits how to talk plainly about complex legal issues. It's one of the cool things they do. Now, I'm glad to have ADF as a sponsor, but I'd encourage you to support them anyway. I've talked about them in the past repeatedly. The Alliance Defending Freedom, they take your donations and they use them to help those who cannot afford lawyers hire the best lawyers to fight for freedom from the highest court of the land all the way down to the local level. Alliance Defending Freedom has just received a matching grant, so all new donors will have their gifts matched to help in their defense of freedom. What you do is go to adflegal.org slash Erickson, adflegal.org E-R-I-C-K, SOM. I support them. You should support them. ADFlegal.org slash Erickson. Go there today. Over to you, Corey Bush, as we've been talking about the crime wave. From
1: slave catching to lynching to life without parole and the death penalty, the ugly violence of white supremacy lives on today. It's violence that has targeted and harmed black folks in this country, and it must stop.
0: So if you get a life sentence without parole, you've been lynched. That's Corey Bush, member of the House of Representatives, one of the progressive members there. She believes this. This reminds me of what it was Rashida Tlaib had the interview about her criminal justice reform. And the result of it would be to allow everybody out of prison. And it was Jonathan Swan and Axios who was interviewing her about it. And she just seemed baffled by his question, and couldn't understand. It was very clear she did not understand her own legislation that would let everybody out of prison. Everybody would be allowed out of prison had her if her law passed her criminal justice reform. She's like, oh, I don't think everybody needs to be out of prison. And he's like, that that's what your law, if passed, would do. And she was absolutely baffled by the point he was making and yet he wasn't wrong the plain text of her legislation would require that everybody be let out of prison uh if if her legislation passed this is one of the things that democrats have to grapple with they so you know the media focuses on let's say lauren Boebert or, or marjorie taylor green is a good example the media focuses on loves to draw the spotlight to marjorie taylor green on the Republican side. Marjorie Taylor Greene can't get a law passed. Marjorie Taylor Greene can't get even buy-in from her own Republicans to get stuff passed. But Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, AOC, they actually do get buy-in from their side. And they do advance legislation. And they do have clout on their own side. And that becomes a problem because these are the ones who... Well, they want to shake things up in Congress for progressive causes. And the media gives them a pass. Um, And they're the ones setting the agenda. It really, really, really is remarkable to me that the media has this dynamic where they obsess over a lot of Republicans who frankly do not matter. And at, at the same time, They give a complete pass to the progressives. And the reason, frankly, is because so many of them on the left um, are, well, they're sympathetic to these progressive activists. They're sympathetic to the into the entire role that AOC and Rashida Tlaib and the whole squad play. So they'll buy into their stuff and they treat them as mainstream because the media tends to agree with them. And then they'll listen to Marjorie Taylor Greene and or in the like, and they'll say, oh, look at these crazy crazy Republicans. Yeah, but the crazy Republicans, they don't have clout within their own conference to get anything done. But the squad really does, and the squad is advancing bail reform efforts, efforts to get people out of prison. And, And now you've got Cori Bush in there saying, if you've been sentenced to life without parole, you've been lynched. And they believe it crazy talk but they believe it and this is why suburban voters including a lot of hispanic voters are voting republican all of a sudden because they know what will happen if the squad succeeds the media loves the squad the american public does not democrats need to figure that out and you thought these last two years were crazy welcome to 2022 it's coming up and nothing makes sense still especially in business if you're a small business owner good luck getting financing from a big bank right now I can offer you a fantastic solution if you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business. First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, We're big banks say no, it's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan. Say, Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. FirstLibertyGA.com.